So welcome once again to the biggest technology conversation on Ghana Radio. This is City Trends. My name is Philippa Sean, and on today's show, we are going to have a very hearty conversation about transforming Africa with education, entertainment, and entrepreneurship. Yes, these three pillars have worked very well in some part of the world, and we are going to try to understand how it can form the basis for the transformation of the African continent, of course, with technology as the heartbeat of it all. It's going to be a, an exciting conversation. We have three guests who are joining us um, in the studio today. Um, we have Aram Teria, who is the CEO of Letty Arts, a very um, good friend of the show, of course. We have Paul Zium, um, indie game developer and entrepreneur, also a very, very, very good friend of the show. Um, please do watch out for um, some of his comments here. Um, he's yeah, he's our little favorite. Um, we have Foster Akugui, uh, who is an incubator manager at SB Incubator, and um, joining us all the way from Finland is Peter Vestbaka, who is an entrepreneur and also very very well known in a part of his life to be the grandpapa or the father of um, Angry Birds. I'm, I'm sure most of you have played Angry Birds at some point. Anybody with an um, with a smartphone has had an engagement with um, Angry Birds at some point. And um, we'll be speaking to the man who was basically in the seat driving it all, um, sharing his um, global perspective. And then um, our guests from Ghana as well, giving us the local perspective. So we have a very um, local show um, coming up uh, today. It's, it's going to be really, really exciting. It's going to be a really, really busy show. Please join us with your comments. 054-9986-996. The number once again is 054-9986-996. You can reach us on twitter simply by using the hashtag c-i-t-i-t-r-e-n-d-s it's that simple as that so get your messages in your comments in city trends is live and interactive <music> Okay, so it's now time for us to get deeper into this conversation, transforming Africa with education, entertainment, and entrepreneurship. So um, let's start off the conversation um, with Aram. Aram, you have been very instrumental in terms of the gaming industry and even the tech ecosystem in Ghana. So let's start off from local before we get into you know the, the global conversation. What, what do you think... Um, where or better still, where do you think we stand as a continent in terms of this transformation that we've been yearning for, been looking forward to for so long? Um, yes, uh, thank you. Um, yes, so I think Africa is uh, it's at a very good place because um, we are really um, moving fast towards um, the next um, um, generation tech. So, uh, for instance, if looking, taking the COVID situation, you would realize that the tech has always been there all this while, but people just did not realize it, or it wasn't really evenly distributed. But now, this situation has made tech to, to find its way into homes and places that you never envisioned that people could use um, tech to even study if you look at the rural areas and all that. So 
Africa stands at a really good place. We just have to keep at it and push push it further. Make sure it stays in the ecosystem now that we are trying to distribute it evenly across every sector on the continent, which means infrastructure, never need. So Africa is just getting there. And I think we will be at the West um, very soon and even past them. That's why we really want to make this transformation. Yeah. Foster, you, you stand in a very unique position in terms of what you do on a daily basis and what you've been involved in in the past with the incubator and everybody coming through and all the education and all the, um, the, 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 the direction that you seek to provide to young people looking to, first of all, make careers out of tech, you know, also trying to shape them in terms of becoming better entrepreneurs, better business people. From your perspective as well, um, where, where do you think, you know, Africa and Ghana is positioned in terms of this conversation that we are having? I think this is the most unprecedented times of the fourth industrial revolution. And uh, unlike all the other revolutions that happened before, uh, Everyone was hesitant about what this one was going to look like and how fast the gap between Africa's development in terms of adopting uh, fire technologies and that of uh, the rest of the world was a very, very critical uh, issue considering we are going to become the global powerhouse uh, with our population being twice the size of the rest of the world or how the rest of the world's population uh, in the next uh, 20, 30 years. And so... Two months ago, we were in this panic state of trying to convince businesses and individuals to come along this whole uh, journey where we do not know where it's headed, but we are hitting the new hard on technology and seeing everybody come along. Then COVID hit us and everybody realized business continuity is very, very critical. And so they had to quickly jump on to, to, to technology tools uh, to start to employ virtual. We've been talking a lot about future of work. But today we are living it. And we anticipated this happening maybe five, ten years from now as a transition. But it's happened all of a sudden that learning curves have come so steep, people have had to adjust in weeks to adopt these technologies. So I think uh, it's a curse and a blessing at the same time. And Africa is none other but one of the uh, ecosystems where we are going to see this impact. This is uh, Peter, so we have these three pillars, um, education, entrepreneurship, and entertainment. Um, and these are basically considered as fundamental to building a new African narrative. I mean, wherever you go, people are talking about Africa here and Africa there and how much potential Africa has. And from um, what um, Aram and um, Foster basically talked about, it looks like we, we, we are in a very, very unique position and it can be a blessing or a curse depending on which direction we're heading. But for you and from you know, from where you are coming from with your experiences globally and everything, why do you think these three seem to stand out so much? Yeah, I, I think that uh, really kind of like starting with education. So I think that uh, kind of like, well, technology is, of course, a very important enabler, but I, I think that it's, it's a little bit like with uh, everything that uh, you also need to know what you're doing. So it's a little bit, uh, you know, like uh, automating a bad process in uh, in business that if it's, uh, it's uh, even if you automate it, it's still bad. So you actually kind of like have to first kind of like fix things and then you apply the technology. So I think that that is, uh, you know, one, one way of looking at it. And then I think also um, 
you know, coming from Finland, so we're only like uh, roughly five million people here. So uh, very small, uh, small nation and uh, very few natural resources. I mean, we have a bit of forest, but that's it. So very early on, uh, it was obvious that, okay, uh, you know, it's like a bit of a cliche, but it's like in every company, every nation that, uh, you know, the most important uh, resource, uh, the people. And uh, of course, uh, when that is the case, and I mean, it's the same uh, in Finland, it's the same in Ghana. Uh, obviously, the people are the most important uh, resource that we have. And and then you have to take good care of, uh, you know, that resource. You have to take good care of the people, meaning that you need to provide uh, not just a few, but everybody with uh, fantastic education. And uh, again, coming from Finland, uh, I think that we have one of the best uh, educational systems on the planet. And I think that... Uh, uh, the education really is, is like the foundation for uh, everything and that kind of decides what kind of society uh, you will end up with. And uh, if you look at Finland, we look at the Nordic countries, uh, we've done okay. So I think that always when you look at the rankings of you know the happiest nations on the planet, uh, Finland has been ranked number one for three years running, but all the Nordic countries are there. If not all in top five, they're all like in the top ten which is uh, kind of like a good, uh, uh, good start. And, and I think that there's a, a correlation between like education and, and, uh, and uh, happiness. And, and then, uh, of course, uh, you know, like when we look at uh, the three E's, uh, uh, education, entrepreneurship, entertainment, I think entrepreneurship for me is, is that we actually do something and entrepreneurs are people who do. So I think it's very important that we enable this uh, kind of like entrepreneurial uh, revolution, if you will, or an entrepreneurial mindset to, to kind of like, uh, take ground. And we need that not only in startups and in companies, but we also need uh, a lot more like uh, entrepreneurial approaches in government, in big organizations everywhere. And then the third, you know, this last, last one there, entertainment. I think that there are a couple of things. First of all, entertainment goes everywhere. So, uh, Good example of uh, how you can like scale things. So, can you mention Angry Birds? Uh, we got to few billion downloads of that. So, it's a good example of what you can do with uh, like what started with uh, just a game. Uh, but also, I think that we we need to realize that we're competing always for the attention. We're competing for people's time. Uh, so, uh, you know, you could uh, play the latest game, boot up Netflix, you know, uh, entertain yourself. Uh, over like uh, all the other activities. So if we want to be successful in delivering, uh, for example, education, I think that we need to create educational experiences that are as good as the best games, the best uh, movies. And and uh, I think that that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. And again, applying uh, the latest technology, latest devices and all of that. But uh, first we need to get like the foundation uh, in place. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like uh, how I'm looking looking at things, and I think that we can uh, do fantastic things when we look at the big picture. And then uh, maybe one more thing that we need to put the young people in charge. So uh, I think that is also very important that uh, we we uh, you know slightly older people need need to get out of the way when the young people change the world and, and go on. Well, that that's a very interesting perspective. And Aram, if if you may, I just want to bring you into this part. It seems like all three of these pillars are interconnected in a very interesting way. And it seems like you know tech basically is the one that is bringing all of them together in a very very unique in a very unique way. I, I don't know what your thoughts are about that. How how interconnected all of them are, and it's almost as if you can't 
do away with one and expect the other to survive as well? Yes. Um, so that's what we call the triple E's, which is education, entrepreneurship, entertainment, as uh, Paul ex- uh, Peter explained. And for me, I see it as the basic building blocks of transforming any industry. And as Peter said, Finland did it, right? And they looked within. And within, they appreciated the resources they had, which is people. So education, so they decided to provide the best education to everyone. When I was in Finland, I think everyone you met almost had a PhD. Like, everyone is really educated, right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cold, everyone just keeps learning. (laughs) Anyway. Interesting. So they appreciated their people. And they also have a lot of fun, which is entertainment. And you could see that entertainment cuts across everything. Like, And it's only when people feel happy when they stick your thing. So as soon as you make somebody happy, they'll remember you for life, right? So they decided to look at how they can put um, education and entertainment together. So the education bit brought about the tech. You can see education cuts across tech, um, arts and all that. So that's what encompasses the STEM, the STEAM and all that that we've been doing with education. You need to educate yourself well. And you can see that right now that even my grandparents and grand aunties are calling me to show them how to use Facebook and all that. So they are being educated one way or the other, right? Which is education. Now they are able to bring entertainment there. So if you take Angry Birds, for instance, there were good programmers who built a game and the game was fun with birds just hitting stuff. And this is a really good story that Peter can share. And when Peter came on board, he was the one that transferred Angry Birds to have just a few billion downloads, as he said, a few billion. Yeah, very, very modestly. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so that's where the entrepreneurship comes in. So the entrepreneurial mind is to do. So now that you've, you've used education and the tech to bring entertainment um, into a fun way that people can have fun and pay for, you now look at how you can do what you can do with it to make money and transform the economy. And I think that is something that Finland did very well. And Ghana is also very well placed to use that. So one of the initiatives that Paul um, um, Peter's um, um, organization, which is Ambitious Africa, is trying to achieve is to use how Finland did it, which was very simple, education, entrepreneurship, and entertainment, to transform their economy, to make it one of the most powerful in the whole world to bring Africa to that level. And that is what we are trying to do. Yes, and beyond. And beyond, exactly. Well, um, Paul, Paul joins us now. Paul, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. But, um, Paul, you, you, you happen to be in a very unique position. Um, people, people honestly mm-hmm. say, yeah, like, you know, you just love games and that's all you do. And um, you probably don't even have a life, which is kind of weird. But it, people have these warped <laughs> ideas and ideologies and, and thought processes about what entertainment and the definition of entertainment right. is. And I, I, I you know, when you talk about education, yes, everybody's all hyped up about education. When you talk about entrepreneurship, everybody's all hyped up about entrepreneurship. But it almost seems as if there is a hazy definition of what entertainment actually is and whether it can actually be a proper industry or uh, a way of getting us 
to have these three connected properly. And I'm just wondering if you can shed some light on that. The the the, the warped quote unquote definition of entertainment that we have, you know, here in Africa and, and especially in Ghana and how and how much work we need to do to change you know that sort of idea of entertainment right. that we, we we have here do we even have an industry right. like to, to even start with um i would say yes like iram said earlier a lot of these things have been here for a very long time but i think um we just didn't have all of the catalysts to really like bring everything to light with the quarantine and the lockdown now everybody understands just how basic and important the internet is and i think um nothing pushes humans forward as much as the collective um, antagonist, like something that everybody wants to solve, then suddenly everybody doesn't mind being radical and people are extremely open to very ridiculous sounding ideas. And I think this is where, um, this is where we're all trying to go in terms of um, ambitious Africa and I think just you won't achieve anything great if you are going to play by the rules or you know just be low-key and I think with and I think with entertainment especially digital entertainment the most controversial and the most radical of IPs and ideas are what has been really blowing up you know the idea of VR the idea of um, Netflix like a couple of years ago they were all just ridiculous but I think necessity and I'll call it the collective antagonist. But that's, I mean, like in the past, it was war. And now we have um, a virus that doesn't discriminate. And then suddenly everybody understands that we're in the same boat. So we need to collectively push everything, whether it's technology or entertainment or like the collective agenda. So with that same notion, I think one of our problems here is maybe Africa and Ghana, we've been too blessed. So we've never had any collective problems that doesn't care which tribe you are from or how educated you are, like a problem that needs everybody to bring something to, to the table. And of course, a few crazy nuts on the table who are willing to like jump off the cliff just to see how far you have to drop. So I, I think, um, I think for such said it's a mixed um, blessing, the current situation that we're in. Because again, there's a lot of media, there's a lot of things happening that nobody really hears about. And I think this is a good opportunity to kind of like condense everything to one little, not one little, one really big melting pot so that like everybody can connect to it. Because I feel we've been lagging behind for a very long time, whether it's um, education and entertainment, because we've been too conformative, like, you know, let's all be saved, it's something conversations that people don't want to talk about we need to offend people we need to push barriers we need to make people drop their joy and go like what the hell is this that's how we push things forward whether it's entertainment or education or entrepreneurship because yeah i think the Ghanaian is too timid the Ghanaian is too afraid and maybe we need to be so afraid that we stop being afraid well, very interesting there foster um if you can hear me i you you are in a very unique position um in terms of you know the 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 teams that you you deal with on a daily basis at the incubator and i'm just wondering how much of all of this can be attributed to structure i think the most prepared organizations uh, quickly transformed to to continue business as usual uh, without customers seeing glitching the way they do things. For the businesses who did not prepare at all, did not have things like 
teams. They don't even know Zoom existed. Their business as usual was face-to-face. They were hit significantly by how should we quickly transform to, to, to manage our customer engagement, to generate new leads, to innovate, to use platforms like Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and all the other things. Even churches were, were adamant migrating to using live streaming and all of that. You see a significant... So let me use Action Chapel as an example. They started to uh, receive offer, offerings via mobile money. Uh, apps like Asoriba was managing the entire uh, church activities and all of that. Uh, but the, the churches were not seeing the relevance of it. Today, live streaming... Uh, uh, agencies have have become one of the hottest kids. Like Asoriba is now like on demand. Every church wants to totally digitize their process because this period is you either stock up new new people or as if you're a business, you can stock up new clients leads or customer leads. If you're a church, for example, you want to maintain engagement so that you don't lose your church members at the end of the day. And so you have to find alternate channels to start engaging with them. And these drastic changes have resulted in, for example, mobile money. Everybody, it's now become a necessity. Before, when they say cash is king, that it means no matter what, you have to use the money. But now they tell you the coronavirus is even on that. So, so you are scared to, to hold cash. Therefore, you want to use e-wallets. The central bank did a great job uh, uh, putting in these incentives uh, like increasing the transaction limits uh, amidst the KYC lights and uh, uh, also uh, waiving off the charge on transactions for 100 cities and all of that, which is usually in a bucket of most, like, like a majority of the population of the country. Because losing one Ghana city on a 100 city transaction for somebody who earns uh, maybe 100 cities a month is significant. And so this move. A long way impact people like that. Some people who fall in higher income brackets may not see the impact of uh, losing Mangana cities as compared to the street person who has to resort to mobile money instead of using cash to, to perform these transactions. So I, I, I would say from from my point of view, I think structure is key to leapfrogging fast uh, to adapting in this in this type of realm. Uh, some businesses have had to spend one month to restructure to now catch up. Losing one month. Business hours is a, is a, is a, a huge amount of money you get. You get. Well, that, that. Peter, if I'm coming to you now, and it would seem that the example that the Nordic countries and Finland, for example, in this case, I mean, it would seem like common sense that if one country has been able to do it, like why isn't everybody just towing the line to make every you know everybody within every other country much happier i mean if you have the happiest bunch of people like why doesn't everybody just toe the line and get all its citizens happy i'm just wondering why you know it has taken so long for people to realize why these three will play such a fundamental role in transforming you know the socioeconomic fabric or or, or the nature of a particular country why ha- does there seem to be a hesitance to adapt the very, this very simple um, framework that you know you're you're proposing and you're talking about. Yeah, well, I think that it's it's uh, always uh, uh, it's it's not uh, that simple. So so I think that uh, this is one kind of like extraction and and uh, then uh, if you look at uh, just 
uh, education. So, so I think that this is uh, already um, like a good example of, of uh, the fact that first of all, when you start uh, transforming like educational system, you need to take a big picture. You need to take like a systemic, uh, you know, uh, view and perspective on the whole whole thing. And and it's not about uh, then uh, getting one thing right, but there are many things. And and if you look at education, I mean, one example that uh, in Finland, it's uh, uh, the teacher job is uh, is very appreciated. So it's it's um, very popular. And uh, because of that, uh, every year thousands of kids want to become teachers, but they can't because it's very difficult to get into the university and become a teacher and study to become a teacher. And and uh, and this is again not the case in many places. Actually, in many places, you know, like uh, if you can't do anything else, why don't you become a teacher? And and I think that uh, this is just uh, kind of like one simple example of of the things that it's it's. Um, uh, those kind of things that you need to put in place so that, you know, kind of like the best uh, talent then, uh, you know, strive to become, for example, a teacher. If nobody appreciates a teacher job, then, you know, like good luck with getting anything like sorted. So you need to kind of like get many things right. Then also, uh, you know, the whole thing of, of you need to uh, provide uh, everybody, not just a few with fantastic education. And, and that is, again, like the... Uh, the the power of education. I mean, it, it, it's also um, when you do that, then kind of like the whole of society uh, gets to kind of like to the next level. But uh, then, when you start doing these things, uh, we all know that uh, again, you know, to then uh, go through the whole educational system and all of that takes twenty years. Meaning that if we change everything now, the kids that start, you know, uh, going to school and and okay, actually early years is the biggest impact. But uh, you know, they go to kindergarten, then they go through the whole educational system. It's take twenty years or so, and and then you see if you got it right or not. So it, it's it's not that you can just like uh, you know flip of a switch and okay, all of a sudden you have a fantastic educational system and everybody's like uh, you know well educated. And and then uh, you know to add to this uh, also that uh, we talked about technology. Uh, I mean, we're uh, kind of like fortunate that being, you know, like alive now, the world will never change as slowly uh, as it does today. The, the change is just getting faster and faster. And, uh, you know, it's accelerating. And that's just like how things go. So so um, we also need to then, uh, in the educational system, we need to uh, make sure that we prepare uh, kind of like our kids to become uh, creative problem solvers because we don't know about the jobs of the future. So the only thing we know that we then need to prepare, you know, the young people to cope with whatever kind of like uh, happens. And and there's there's a lot of, um, of things there that uh, you kind of like need to get right. And it's actually very difficult uh, to just, you can't just like copy. I mean, we can't take like the Finnish model or Nordic model and okay, we just plug it into Ghana and okay. We'll exactly, exactly. Africa. So you have to take into account local conditions. And this is also uh, now with this ambitious Africa program initiative that we're doing. It's about bringing together, you know, local people uh, in Ghana, local people here in Nordic countries, and, and then and, and it's local young people. And then working together, uh, learning together, uh, creating together and, and making this transformation happen together. So uh, it's not something that we do in like a couple of days, but uh, it's like five years, 10 years. And I think that 
most governments typically, you know, you have elections every few years, so then there's not always the patience to kind of like uh, think 10 or 20 years out because then you're probably not going to be government anymore. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of like part of the challenge. Paul, if, if I may ask, um, how patient are we to wait for that 20 years? Are, are we even going to? Um, so between, um, let's say between the time that MEST stepped foot in Ghana, that was like 2008, if I remember correctly, and then now, I don't think we had any like actual context of how long we had to wait for a, B, or C to happen. And I think we're still at that point where it's like we're looking at the, we're like looking for the light at the end of the tunnel and we're going. But then we look back and then we realize that we've created this like trail of light and, we've, and then we've mapped like a part of the tunnel. So if it took the four runners, the letty yards, the mess and the ice space, whatever, seven, eight years to get here, the next batch of explorers or adventurers who are treading on this path should use much less time. Like what Peter was saying, change is much, much faster now. And it's because, you know, people have done this before. We've had time to talk about it. We've iterated. We know at least some of the things that you shouldn't do or some of the things that you should do because the whole, in, the whole startup bubble um, was kind of like mirroring the Silicon Valley thing, but we didn't know to what extent we had to tweak things to make it fit the Ghana context. So in, in terms of patience, I honestly think we should not expect anything anytime soon, but that shouldn't be the point. You know, the, the point is to keep going for as long as you can. And it's just a patience game. You keep going, keep going, because you don't even know what the model looks like. So how do you even know when you see it or if it works? And like, you'd have to like test a few things, see if it works, it doesn't work, come back. You keep going for as long as you can and you enable people to, you know, kind of like take over if you can keep going, you know, just just make sure the engine keeps running because if all the people who started 10 years ago weren't still around here, this conversation wouldn't be possible. Um, Aram, if I may ask, how important are conversations between the personalities or the individuals or the corporates or the players within these three sectors to have that conversation, have a sit down around a dinner table and have a conversation about how we can have a better integrated system to be able to get to the vision that we want to get to, Aram? It's very, very important and Actually, it it's, has to happen yesterday. And the reason why I say that is, um, if you look at what we do at Letias or what I preach, it's like working together, right? Um, everyone is not a master of, of everything. You are good at one thing. So we need to find ways to heighten the strength of individual people. So you have entrepreneurs, you have um, 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 entertainers, you have educators. They need to come together to find a way um, to work. And and leveraging on what you are talking about, the, the 20-year wait, if you look at the Letty at our tagline, we say not only are we building a company in Africa, we are building a whole new industry. A company might take you some 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 five, ten years to go, but an industry is a hundred years plus, right? And you have that patience, especially when you are starting from scratch. You need to 
put all the blocks and as Paul said, enable people, uh, mentor people, expose people, enlighten people of possibilities without mm-hmm. expecting immediate return. So if you have an entrepreneur who is an investor coming into Africa, he has to have that patience if you want to um, invest in the early forms. So I will give an example. When I went to Finland um, during Slash, Slash, it's a conference, and I met the founder of Supercell, who is Ilka. And he told me, look, he said, Aram, it took us 20 years to get here. That's the Finnish gaming industry. And I think I can say more about that. But it took them 20 years. It didn't happen suddenly. So me, a programmer coming from Africa, thinking that I'm going to go just like that. No, he said it took us 20 years. And Mm. even it wasn't Supercell that broke it. It was Rovio. That did it with Angry Birds. Even that, Angry Birds was on the store for over two, three years before it became something big. So you need patience. He told me to have patience, to come back to Africa, look at what works within Africa, work with people, build people, and mobilize together to form a strong base of our industry. So you can see we have the International Gaming Developers Association coming to Africa, having game jams, building communities, it's, it's going to take a long time. We may not even be able to realize the first million, but people coming, the next generation is going to get inspired. And that's why the Ambitious Africa project is very, very key. And I have really great hope because I think years back or last year, you go to schools, you show them that, hey, you are, you are a game developer. They don't even take interest. But today... They are reaching us to make games. Like South African Montessori schools are calling, hey, let us ask. We want to animate our thing. We want to make interactive, entertaining games for our schools. Ghana's um, companies and, and um, schools would love that, but they are depending on school fees. They don't have reverse, uh, reserves to pay you. So now it's a chicken egg problem. Can we partner? Can we sacrifice to build the interactive content for the schools because education is important. And we saw what I said about teachers. The best people in the land are teachers. And you, saw, you can see it if you have kids during this breakdown, uh, this lockdown. You being the teacher of your kids. I am an nursery two teacher and my wife is an nursery one teacher at home. So we've drawn timetables. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Appreciate how difficult it is. It's learning practically from you. Like you see that they are doing everything you are doing because you are on lockdown together and they are learning very fast. So learn by doing is perfect. It's something that we need to transform our education into. Interesting stuff there, um, Aram Foster. Um, bef- um, Peter, I'll, I'll be coming to you with one, one final question before I let you go. But Foster, um, considering where you are with the incubator and opening that up, then looking at you know all these hubs, all these tech hubs that we have in the country, and what do you think their role will be in helping to build on these these pillars that we're trying to to put into the ground to build something better on? I was saying key to accelerating the digital transformation most organizations and individuals is its skill set. And the skills has been significantly wide in terms of 
the current uh, skills on the market and what we demand for the future of work and what we demand for the future of businesses. And to be able to do this effectively, the hubs, uh, academic institutions have a key role to play in preparing people for these opportunities. Organizations when so in educating their employees or keeping bringing them up to speed would now have to re, re, restructure their budgets to accommodate learning and development as a key to, to being able to accelerate. Because you have two options. If you, your employees become redundant and you have to hire new talents, which is where you at a higher cost. Or you repurpose the existing employees to be able to meet the new ways of work within the organization. And the hubs are called to being able to achieve this because they become the bridge between academia and industry, where they help prepare students or graduates to have the skill sets to either become entrepreneur or employable enough and make them kind of like, it's like a sandbox for a classic work environment that teaches them the soft skills they need to learn and polish up the technical skills they meet industry standards, then they are shipped off to, to organizations. So these two players, academy and industry, have to work closely with the hubs if they want to see a significant churn out of graduates who fit into their, their round holes and their square square holes within the organization. Well, Peter, um, let, let me come to you with this final question. Um, you have been involved with Angry Birds right from the beginning. You basically, you know, drove it to where it is today. Um, from that experience and also from the experience of building an ecosystem, because Angry Birds is not just a game, it's a whole ecosystem. What has, had, what has that experience taught you about building such systems for continents and, and countries and, 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 and things like that? So I've been kind of like an entrepreneur uh, pretty much like all my all my life, and I actually uh, I started my uh, kind of like, uh, career at uh, the original startup, so the one that Bill and Dave started in their garage uh, in Palo Alto in California in 1939. So like before my time, but that was uh, Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard, and they were uh, fantastic entrepreneurs. I mean, not only did they start this uh, you know uh, amazing company called HP. But uh, they also started the whole Silicon Valley. So that's kind of like where it all started. Uh, but, in, but anyway, uh, it, then looking at that, I mean, it took a long time to build Silicon Valley. Uh, so it wasn't started by Google, Facebook, or one of these like uh, newcomers, but it was started, you know, by Bill and Dave in 1939, a long time ago. And uh, uh, yeah, I actually was fortunate enough to meet with both of those guys when they were still still alive but um uh yeah and as i said you know really fantastic fantastic entrepreneurs and and uh, uh you know people that, that get stuff done and they started like a fantastic culture and and the silicon valley has you know greatly benefited from that but then if i look at uh, you know uh, uh communities ecosystems and of course silicon valley is, is uh, you know fantastic ecosystem uh so we, we can learn a lot from uh, from uh, Silicon Valley and, and similar ecosystems around the world. But uh, then uh, uh, I think what what I've learned also over the years that it's really important uh, to uh, look at these uh, communities and do, look at these kind of like uh, I would call branded uh, communities. So uh, it's really important that uh, you know where you want to go and what you want to achieve, and and then. Uh, 
you know, uh, if you want to create uh, uh, big change and, and uh, big like transformation, uh, you really need to work together. It's not like about one person, but it's like the whole community, the whole society, everybody kind of coming together and, and working uh, towards that. And I think we already touched on that uh, here kind of like a little bit. And it takes it takes a bit of time. But the, and, and also uh, with Angry Birds, I mean, if, if you look at that, that actually started as a student project, came out of a game-making competition that I organized uh, all the way back in 2003. Then Niklas Kim and Jarno, uh, who are students at Aalto University here, uh, in Finland, they won that competition, came to me, what should we do? You know, we're students here at uh, Aalto and uh, we just won this game-making competition. Uh, then I told them, you know, like the same thing I tell everybody, that you should always, you know, do what you love to do. So it was clear that these guys loved, you know, making games. So why don't you start a company to, you know, make games? And that's what they did. And then they made uh, 51 games and then 52nd game was actually Angry Birds. So that's, again, an example that it takes a while to, to make these things happen. But I think that it's uh, kind of like an uh, inspirational part of, uh, you know, for example, then Angry Birds here is that it started, you know, three young guys, Helsinki, Finland, students, they started it. And then, okay, it took a few years, a few games, and then, boom, Angry Birds. So if three young guys in Helsinki, Finland can do that, then, you know, three young guys or girls in uh, in uh, Accra, you know, in Ghana can do that, or, you know, like uh, anywhere in the world, uh, thanks to technology and the connecti connectivity that we have. I mean, right now, you know, uh, you know, talking to you here from from Finland, and and you know, uh, I could be anywhere, you could be anywhere. So I think that we are in a world where uh, innovation and opportunity doesn't really know any borders. So uh, it's the same as with the uh, you know COVID nineteen virus that that doesn't know any borders either. Uh, so it's the same kind of like with technology, but uh, hopefully a bit more like beneficial. Uh, so I think that uh, this is uh, a great kind of like starting point. And, and this is again uh, by, about now with ambitious Africa that is bringing all of us here together. It's about, you know, uh, Ghana, Finland, Africa, Europe, Nordic countries, you know, like bringing together some of our best minds and then making stuff happen. And maybe, you know, one thing that I always use as an example, because I always see, you know, this that, uh, you know, people are skeptical that, okay, yeah, we've heard this before, and why is this different? And uh, uh, I think that why this is different is that this time we're putting young people in charge. I think that is kind of like the main thing. And this is how we built, uh, you know, Slush in Finland, which is now the biggest uh, startup event uh, on the planet, and uh, all that. So we put young people in charge, and, and they made it happen. So it wasn't the government, it wasn't, you know, like uh, anybody else, but it was really like grassroots. And I think we need that kind of grassroots movement all across Africa, all around the world, actually. And, and uh, this is something that is very, very important. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Well, Aram, um, as, as, as we wrap up on the conversation, and thank you guys so much for making time to join us. Aram, so when are we going to have some of these conversations down here? Is it, are we to expect a conversation anytime soon to kickstart um, this transformation? Yes, definitely. So um, we are going to have host our very first ambitious Ghana event next week. Um, next week, Thursday, which is the 14th. And uh, we'll be sharing information on our Twitter handles and the site, the ambitious.africa site. So you can go to ambitious.africa website and we'll be sharing that's the 
main um, ambitious Africa site. Um, Peter will be there. Peter is bringing all the Nordic investors. I think um, I'll leave him to say more about it. But next week, Thursday, we are going to do that and we'll be sharing our Twitter handles. Uh, Foster will share all those handles here um, as we wrap up. So definitely this event is going to happen. Ambitious Ghana is going to happen as part of the Ambitious Africa project. So Peter, Peter you can just... Yeah, Peter, if you could just give us an idea of who we should expect um, at the event. Yeah, so, so uh, we're now, uh, you know, uh, again, every crisis is also an opportunity. So now because of the crisis, uh, uh, we're, we're doing all of these events uh, online and uh, already, you know, been Rwanda, Kenya, Tunisia, so the plan is to actually try to reach all 54 African nations uh, uh, within a month. But uh, yeah, we're doing now uh, Ambitious Africa on Thursday. And uh, we're going to have people from the startup community here in Nordic countries, investors, uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, we also uh, will have, uh, um, we have had now so far all the events that we've done. We had uh, our minister, Ville Skinner, who is the minister of uh, trade and, and development. Uh, so uh, he'll be there. And uh, uh, yeah, basically it's a good example of uh, not only you know Ghana and Finland and Nordic countries working together, but also private and public sector working together. So I think uh, very much, uh, you know, uh, a key key like uh, hashtag if you will is, is the together hashtag. So we're we're really uh, working on on making this uh, change, making this transformation happen uh, together. And I think that that can actually help us move. Uh, faster and uh, and uh, we have, we have some uh, amazing people involved from both sides and uh, this is just kind of like a kickoff we we're then looking at doing uh, many more events many more activities and uh, you know the entrepreneurship the second e here in our triple e model it, it's really all about making stuff happen and uh, and that's what ambitious africa is all about and you can find more information if you go to ambitious.africa uh, there's a website with uh, with a bit more information, and you can also register to receive more information in the future. So, really encourage all of you you to go to ambitious Africa and check it out. Uh, Foster, finally, um, any Twitter handles we should be paying attention to, um, following, and and everything else, Foster. Yeah, um, by tomorrow morning, all our social media handles will be active. Ambitious GH. So you can search Ambitious GH on Instagram, Facebook, and find more information. So it is Ambitious GH. Ambitious GH. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. So, yeah, we'll be organizing some um, quiz competitions to us um, around tech and all that on our hot seat platform, MTN hot seat platform. So just just look out for it on the Ambitious Africa um, handles and uh, you can um, share, get your knowledge on date, the tech ecosystem as well and all other potential industries following the triple E's towards the event. And we'll be giving out some, some um, small probably points um, mentioned next week. All right, Paul, um, concluding words, yes. you, you have the final floor. Uh, any final words before you take leave of us? 
Yes, um, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say um, education, entertainment, and entrepreneurship um, needs to change very quickly because the world changes very quickly. And I think the systems here are very still. They don't really prepare you for what's out there on any level whatsoever. And I'm definitely looking forward to a Ghana where we have these systems that are modern, if not cutting edge, adaptive, flexible. We don't learn things that are 30 years out of date. We're able to um, create jobs for future problems that we don't even have yet. There's things that are just exciting because I don't think school was very exciting for a lot of people. It was just, just a checklist that people just had to like tick off their like, life achievements and then move on with anything that's more exciting in their life. And I think um, if we're able to make these three things a lot more exciting, a lot, a lot more accessible, a lot less problematic. I think um, Ghana, we probably wouldn't be able to recognize it if we like time, time travel 20 years to the future. We would all probably just die of excitement. And I think that's why, I'm, I, that's why I honestly just jumped at this when I got a call from Aram. He just like, hey, so Peter and I, and I just said yes. I need to hear <laughs> what the rest was this about. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so Peter and I was like, wait, Peter and Beds, and you're again, and I'm like, yes. And he's like, don't even say the rest, just add me to the group, let's start this. Because like I said, I think we need to be very um, unorthodox because Africa has had problems for a very long time. I don't think doing the same thing over and over again for the next decade is going to fix it. So maybe let's go in a different direction. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for making time to join us. A very, very worthy conversation, I have to say. So, um, yeah, um, I, I hope you can, you know, be a part of that conversation even as we try to build, you know, the kind of future that we're looking for. So, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for joining us on the conversation. But unfortunately, that's our time will allow us. We couldn't do any of our segments today. Um, a very engaging conversation there. But um, a big thank you to, of course, the producers of the show, um, to Mr. Entry, to Ellen, of course, to Jeffrey, and big thank you to Daniels as well for studio production. Um, the show will be available as a podcast tomorrow, um, so please try and look out for it and take a second listen um, to what my guests basically had to say. It's been a fantastic show. I do hope you've enjoyed it. My name is Philip Sean. Until next week, do stay techy. <laughs>